Back on Honorado and Miller, and I love getting the opportunity to talk with this guy. I could listen to him for days and days and days. When I got to actually share a conversation with Marty Smith, hardly anything beats it. We'll talk a little college football. We're going to talk about his new book, though, Sideline CEO. Sat down with some of the all-time greats in coaching to pick their brain about how do you motivate, how do you find a competitive advantage, uh, and, and just kind of the keys – to staying focused and being a good leader, which we can all certainly benefit from these days. A lot going on in college football, too. You know, we're going to talk with Marty about that. The book is Sideline CEO, Marty. Congratulations, man. Already a New York Times bestseller. Number two is on the way, dude. How are you? I'm wonderful, Chris. I appreciate you giving me a platform, and and you're so right. It is an amazing season already in college football, and it being a release day of my brand new book in the middle of all that is uh, is a blessing beyond words. And and I'm so grateful to get to spend a few minutes with you. Yeah, you couldn't plan this for like March or April? I know, like, dude. Whoa. Seriously, trust me. That's exactly what's going through my mind this week. You are not wrong. All right, dude. Well, like I said, we'll get you in and out of here, man. We appreciate the time, but a lot of good stuff to get to here. Um, you interview the best of the best weekly. Truly. When is the last time you would say you were nervous or maybe intimidated going into an interview? I, I think I, immediately, I'll just tell you where my mind went immediately. It was the first time I interviewed Tiger Woods. Ooh. It was in 2018, about five years ago, and I did not know Tiger. I did not know kind of how that might go. And we were at Medalist Golf Club, which is sort of Tiger's home home course down there in Jupiter, Florida. And I was sitting in the lobby working on my notes, kind of trying to pare my question list down to about 10 really good ones so that he would at least go, well, this guy does his homework. And brother, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm not nervous. I got anxious energy. Mm -hmm. And across the doorway, this shadow just comes across the doorway. And I look up and it's Tiger Woods. And so I hop up and I stick my hand out to shake his hand. And he's like, nah, bro, bring it in. Gives me a big embrace. And I was like, that's interesting. And you know what he said, Chris? He goes, you want to know the coolest thing I've ever seen on ESPN? Oh. I, said, I said, what? He goes, when you shotgunned that beer with Dale Earnhardt Jr. after his last NASCAR race in Miami. And I went, oh, my God, we're going to be fast friends, brother. And what's funny, Chris, is I said, all right, we're, we're brothers. We're brothers then. I said, you go win the Masters, I'll be waiting on you at 18. The next April, the guy won the Masters again in 2019. So I would say probably that's the last time I had genuine anxious energy before a big interview. I don't know that there's a story that better, you know, displays your just inherent advantage as a reporter and it is to be yourself and how it then allows other people to relax and be themselves. Would you, oh, that's very would you say that's true? Yeah. First of all, that's a very kind thing to say. I appreciate that. I, you know, I, it's funny, man. I, I say all the time in these interviews, I was just interviewing Jackson Dart last Thursday, yep. who's old yep. Miss quarterback for some of your viewers who may not know who Jackson is yet. You will. <laughs> He's a great player. And he was hesitant to talk about himself. And I'm like, Jackson, look, man, I'm going to ask you questions where you have to be honest about yourself. And I know it seems haughty and conceited, but I need you to do that. And here I am hesitant to do that as you ask that question. I, I'll kind of go back to, the, to me, the standard by which all of us are measured, and that is Tom Rinaldi. 
mm. uh, from Fox Sports. Of course, yep. my former colleague at, at ESPN, he's the greatest storyteller of my time. And Tom said something to me a couple years ago that sort of stopped time for me, and that is he's never really met anybody that had the ability to connect to other people the way that I do. And I'm quoting Tom uh, because it is, it's hard. You know, even though in the social media world, a lot of us spend a lot of time self-promoting yep. our work. But I, that meant so much to me that Tom said that, and so I'll quote him and just kind of leave that there because it's well, an unbelievable, unbelievably kind endorsement from him. Let's talk about the book, man. Sideline CEO. Uh, I read a little bit about it besides reading it itself. This is a, a three-year project that was born out of COVID. And, and it's funny, like now that we're far enough removed, if you will, from the pandemic, we are – I at least am happy to acknowledge the good that has come out of it, right? A lot of bad, but the good that came out of it. And it's it's passion projects like this, sideline CEO, leadership principles from championship coaches, three years you put into this thing. But I want to know, where is the most unique spot you did one of these interviews? Because I oh. can't imagine you were always face-to-face no. with people. Yeah, that is a, I've not been asked that yet. That's a good one. I, my mind immediately, and there were some interesting ones. I interviewed Doc Rivers. Uh, at the time, he was still the coach of the 76ers, yeah. and he was on the bus to the arena. <laughs> I interviewed Kim Mulkey minutes before. I mean, our interview ended minutes before she flew to the Final Four with her LSU Lady wow. Tigers that ultimately won the national championship. But the one that stands out the most is Dabo Sweeney. I interviewed Dabo from a camping chair at one of my son's high school track meets. And if you – I don't know if any of you out there watching or listening have kids that do high school track. Listen, it's a commitment, man. Like, it's a commitment to be a track parent because my son did does uh, long jump and triple jump, which are the very first events in a track meet. And he Big. did the 4 by 100 4 by 4 which is the last event in the track meet. So, I was there, you know – four, five, six hours sometimes, and I had been all over Dabo. I'm like, dude, you got to be in this book. I need some of your time. I need like at least 45 minutes to an hour of your time, and I know that's a big ask. Well, out of nowhere, I'm sitting at a track meet. Phone rings. It's him, and I mean, I, they, I was like, dude, you're going to hear like the, the, the starter gun going off. You're going to hear cheers, but he was brilliant, Chris, in the book, and so – that was the weirdest one probably was at my son's high school track. Oh, that one's cool, man. I love that. Um, the foreword is by your buddy, Tim Tebow. And I man. say your buddy just to kind of let people know the connection you guys have. Um, is that a difficult ask to make, though, of somebody who you know has so many demands on his time, knowing he will say yes? Um, was Is that still a difficult ask for you? Absolutely is a difficult ask because you don't want to impose – on someone else's time. I mean, Chris, time is our most precious resource. Yeah. And you're so right. Tim gives so much of his in the effort to inspire and lead other people. And so I was hesitant to ask him, just like I was very hesitant to ask Eric Church for Never Settle. Yep. And both of them were kind enough and gracious enough to give me that time. And Tim's message in his forward is beautiful, just like everything he does. He's such an inspirational figure uh, to millions and millions. Chris, listen, man. I'm around people that are recognizable, who do great things professionally all the time. But Tim is famous, man. 
I mean, it's <laughs> it's a different level of famous. We were in, excuse me, we were in Nashville, Tennessee for week one of this college football season for the Virginia-Tennessee football game at Nissan Stadium. And we did this element for the SEC Nation show where we were walking down Broadway. Actually, we were in a, we were in like an army vehicle, like a military vehicle driving down Broadway. And dude, young ladies are running after the truck. Tim, oh, let me get a selfie. And I'm just looking at Roman Harper and Jordan Rogers, who's also famous. Uh-huh. I'm looking at these guys. I mean, Roman won the Super Bowl. Yep. He was an all pro. Jordan, you know, won the bachelorette with his with his wife JoJo. So these dudes are well known. No, man, it was a Timmy show. And so I was reminded just how much it must be to carry that every day Mm. because he gives everybody so much time. And I was hesitant to ask him. He gave me his time. He always does and has been such an important figure in my self-confidence individually. And so I'm just so grateful for Timmy. He's a great man. The book is out now. Get it. Sideline CEO, wherever you buy books. What did you learn about because the scope in terms of the people you speak with and and the way they have to coach based on the level, be it the NBA or college football or college basketball, male, female sports, whatever it is. What did you learn about the commonalities that exist among great coaches? Uh, I tried to break the book down that way. And, And quickly, for those of you watching, here's how I did it. I did not know. I had the idea all the way back in 2018, but I didn't know how to really bring it home or or format it in a digestible way is it every coach is a is a chapter is it what is it so ultimately what i did was i broke the book down into eight different pillars what exactly is leadership trust culture delegation crisis management self-evaluation evolution all these pillars of being a great coach and then during covid I was trying to – Laney and I were very intentional, brother, about our time with one another. That's my wife. About our time with one another because I'd never been home professionally. (laughs) We're sports reporters, dude. We're gone. And we tried to be very intentional with our children because it was the first time in my adult life I was home and couldn't go anywhere. And so that's when – you know, after a couple months of being home, I was like, I'm a little nervous about what if sports don't come back. Yeah. What am I going to do? And that's why I'm like went full bore on writing this book, but I didn't know how to do it. And another thing I was intentional about during COVID was reading. I wanted to stay the hell out of my phone. One of the books I read was called I Want My MTV, and it was written in an oral history format. I shot up out of bed one night like 1130. She looked at me like, what are you, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to work. And I went, and I had three coaches interviewed at that time. I had Mac Brown, Jimbo Fisher, and Urban Meyer. And I formatted the book in that oral history format. Mm. And then I went went full bore last fall once my publisher bought in. And so that's how it's written. Here, here to me, brother, are the, the number one through line is trust is the most important foundational principle that you have to have to lead. Oh. From there, it is trust of your words and trust of your actions. Are you someone who brings other people with you especially if they don't believe they're capable of doing it themselves. Wow. And, and look, look, you're going to have leaders don't go to school (laughs) 
for crisis management, but also almost invariably they have to at some point, whether that's an HR issue, whether that's unmotivated people, whether that's the stories that are in that chapter six of this book, man, it's, it's Mac Brown um, having to identify the body of one of his players who passed away in a tragic automobile accident. It's Doc Rivers walking his players through the aftermath of when he was the coach and general manager of the L.A. Clippers and Donald Sterling said all those terrible racist yep. things. It's, it's storytelling and vulnerability that you just don't see from these people very often. And so you can I have enveloped it into my daily walk as a father and husband and professional, and I think the readers will too. All right, so when you do volume two of this, Deion Sanders will undoubtedly be included. Listen, listen. Dion was in the book. He had agreed to do it. And this was before he was ever at Colorado, man. He was still at Jackson State. I got to know Dion a few years ago. He and I participated together in a celebrity fishing tournament. And I love that man. I love what he's about. I love how he wears his faith. I love how he leads with love. All of it. And I desperately wanted him in this book. And he wanted to be in the book. We just... So when I when we were trying to get into the scheduling phase of get he he took the Colorado job yeah yeah and so it just our schedules never meshed and ah, I'm gonna go to my grave no what brother but but here's the thing had you included him we would have needed another launch pad for for the for volume two now it's now it's built in that's a very good point that's a very <laughs> good point because there's so many leaders like I think Dawn Staley who I also Ooh. asked. And, and she declined, and I know why. She and I are tight, but she's going to write her own leadership monster. <laughs> <one day. laughs> right? And so she's also a smart businesswoman. But uh, you, you're so right. Like, like what Dion's done at Colorado is remarkable, man, yep. because walking into an irrelevant culture and flipping it immediately is very difficult to do. And boy, did he do it and did it in a big way. They're the biggest story in sport, even though – Oregon boat raced them. They are, I mean, the what are the biggest story in sports right now? Aaron Rodgers injury, Travis Kelsey, Dayton T. Swift, yep. Deion Sanders in Colorado. Yep. Buddy of mine does sports talk radio out in Denver. They talk more buffs than Bronx right now. It's I just the way that. it is. Uh, let me let me just throw this at you here. How would you compare the competitive edge he's creating? Because I, when I hear the comments of Dan Lanning, and he's got it for some yep. stupid reason, feel like he has to defend his pregame speech to motivate his guys, which I, I love like, into. like he, he doesn't need to defend anything, but clearly coaches are taking notice. Right. And it's either in the age of NIL, knowing Dion's going to be able to year to year to year, recruit the best players in the country, whether they're college or high school, they notice that there is something in, in Boulder right now that they need to be on a word for can you compare this to anything you've you've seen covering sports before it is an interesting shift from the standard respect for the opponent they're a great team we're grateful to get out of here with a win yeah, to yeah. i'm defending mine i'm championing mine right. i'm promoting mine and you know what chris there's nothing wrong with that at all. Right. And it is a shift. And I mean, look, I, and, and whether it's, the, I, look, I can't, 
I, I have not asked Dan or Ryan Day or any of those guys, is it what role does Dion play in that? So I can't speak specifically to that. But I'm a I'm around it, I'm a viewer of it, I'm a consume avid consumer of it. It keeps a roof over my head. And so I I definitely see the shift. Yeah. Yeah. And no the doubt. kid, like the players gravitate to it, man. These young people today, it's social media. It's like, you know, hey, man, it's on our phones and all that. Yeah. So the players gravitate to that. And you're right. You're right, man. If, if, if you're a five, four or five star and on your list is the standard operating group, it's Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Florida State, Texas, on and on. You got an eye out west, buddy. Yep. And you, I mean, you got an eye out west with Dion. You got an eye out west with Lincoln. You got now you got an eye out. I mean, Washington's to Oregon with with NIL and Portal and what Phil Knight dumps into Oregon and what Dan Lanning's. You you got an eye out there. I love that. And you already answered one of my other questions, which was, is NIL leveling the playing field? Clearly, yeah, it is. Um, let me ask you really quickly, just because you brought up Ryan Day's name, this makes me think of something that I observed over the weekend both in college and NFL. And I wonder, as you talk to a bunch of these great coaches, if if you kind of feel the same way here. When I when I hear Marcus Freeman defending the 10 men on the field for back-to-back plays, hey, we didn't want to take a penalty. We wanted to give them time to regroup. And then I see Brandon Staley defending a fourth down from his own 24 late in the game. I think to myself, wouldn't just the – like you and I, I think, would just be honest about it. Man, did we screw that one up. That was that's as bad as it can be. We clearly missed it. It's on me. It's on the defensive coordinator. It's on the guy who's supposed to count the number of players on the field. Like that just will never happen again. Like the ownership of that has great power, doesn't it? As opposed to defending the decision we all know is is just wrong. Yes, the ownership has tremendous power because what is ownership? It's vulnerability. We as human beings, going back to Dion, real quick. Mm. As human beings, we want hope and we want belonging fundamentally. Love that. From the time that there are high school and middle school cliques all the way until we go meet Jesus, we want hope and we want belonging. And like when, when, when a man stands up and owns something, it's like, all right, cool. I'm good with you, man. Yep. It's, it's like, it's like I, I shouldn't. I, 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 there's something I almost said, but we're on TV, so I won't. <laughs> Like, like I, I appreciate that ownership. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, the book is is so good. People need to Thank read you. this. He's already a New York Times bestseller with Never Settle. Sideline CEO is out now. You see the names of some of the coaches Marty Smith, Marty Smith spoke with. Uh, the book is out now wherever you buy your books. Marty, man, I, I want to, before I let you go, I, I do just want to kind of give people uh, the full look here. At, uh, at what you've got, what's, what is a, give me a prize, but the master's <laughs> football helmet yeah. is, I mean, nobody's got one of those. What no, else? You that's, have a rare, that, that's a rare item, Chris. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, we did college game day down there back during, during COVID in 2020. And I called in a few favors anyway, um, <laughs> a helmet behind my, my left. I, I know it might be screen, right. But on my, uh, it's over yeah. my left shoulder. That was a gift from Coach Beamer, from Frank Beamer, mm. who was so important in my life. He, um, I'm from Southwest Virginia originally, grew up going to Virginia Tech games with my dad, and it's my sweetest memories with my father, whom I lost 15 years ago. And Coach Beamer uh, has been 
just such a light for me. And his son, Shane, he and I kind of grew up uh, playing every sport against one another. We're now very, very, very close. And so that that uh, Coach Beam, Frank Beamer inscripted on that helmet in Sharpie, Marty, you're simply the best ever. Mm. And, he, and he autographed it. And so that's very special to me. Uh, Coach O sent me that one. On I have Miami, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Arkansas, Ole Miss, LSU, uh, Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, Missouri. Um, I have a lot because you know it was interesting, brother. During during the COVID time when we were doing all the virtual stuff on Sports Center, all the coaches would see it, and the next thing you know, two days later, helmets would be showing. Laney, my wife is like, dude, enough, call off the dogs, but. I got a lot of buddies in equipment, and, and so, but yeah, I mean, I have I have a lot of just this is my bar. I have my my sort of virtual studio is in my bar downstairs, and so I have a lot of cool memorabilia down here. I love that man. You see Marty Smith everywhere. You'll hear him soon as well. Projects keep rolling for this guy, but get the book in the meantime. Sideline CEO, leadership principles from championship coaches. Marty, continued success, man. Uh, Beamer said it. You're the best, brother. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. Grateful for you, brother. Thank you for your spirit. I appreciate you giving me the time so much. And, yeah, shamelessly, I'd love if you guys went and bought Sideline CEO. Thank you, guys. God bless.